0: It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano.
1: Well, recently the world lost a legend who uh, not only was one of the funniest people that ever lived, but was really the last of his generation. Legendary comedian, nightclub performer, Shecky Green, passing away at the age of... 97 in Las Vegas on New Year's Eve. Nobody like Shecky Green. If you're unfamiliar with Shecky Green or need a reminder of how terrific he was as an entertainer, this is what he sounded like.
0: Think about the things, ladies and gentlemen, that came out of Hollywood. The great classic movies. Movies like The Champ with Wallace Beery and Jackie Cooper. Do you remember that scene where the champ... Wallace Berry is talking to Dink and he says Hiya, Dink Gee was Dink I know I told you I wouldn't drink or gamble anymore but I just met a few of the boys there Hey, Dink When did you first realize that I was your old man? Gee, I don't know, champ I guess I... (laughs) And remember the great classic that James Cagney made and he won the Academy Award with a picture called Yankee Doodle Dandy. Mr. President, my mother thanks you. I. Hello, Jake. <laughs> Jake, when did you first realize that I was your old man? Gee, I don't know, Dad. <laughs> Since you're almost like that, folks. <laughs> I think the greatest picture that ever came out of Hollywood was done by, so by José Ferrer. He played the part of Cyrano de Bergec in the scene where Roxanne is standing in the balcony. And he has his sword in his hand, and he speaks thus in the shadows of the night. Roxanne, I look to thee. Though you cannot see me, I'm hiding in the night, for you are the only thing that I want in my life. I would look to grab you, hold you, squeeze you, kiss you. God has seen fit to make me the greatest swordsman in all the world, and yet I would throw it away just for the kiss of thy." If I could once remove this nose, this ugly nose, thus, <laughs> I'm mean, hey, right now, yeah, and I love you. Right <laughs> you don't know how I love you, right yeah. Hey. Yeah. And how about the movie music?
1: There are not a lot of entertainers of any stripe, particularly not a lot of comedians, that have had the incredible success and the incredible longevity of Shecky Green. Someone who we've talked with about Shecky Green before, we've talked about Shecky Green with before, I should say, is Elliot Gordon, regular guest on this program, entrepreneur, former aide to Mayor Giuliani, a producer and talent agent. Elliot, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Happy New Year.
2: I love it, Frank. Happy New Year to you and the gang. It's, you know, so much fun being with you. And I was just, I was just thinking being up this late with you. And I love it. I remember Tommy Dreeson, our buddy who spent so many years with Frank Sinatra told me, he said, "El, the tough part wasn't working the shows. The toughest part was staying up all night with him, drinking and telling stories. Well, I don't make you stay up and
1: drink with me, uh, uh, Elliot. I can do that. If that makes me more Sinatra-esque, believe me. Hey, uh, speaking of Tommy Dreesen and uh, Frank Sinatra, now, Shecky Green was Frank Sinatra's opening act prior to Tom Dreesen, correct?
2: Well, I don't know if he was the opening act, Pat Henry was, but they did work together, and Frank Sinatra liked him, and he had him in a couple of movies, and they were great pals, and I know they had a little falling out, and when I spoke to Shecky on the phone, uh, he said, you know, at one time, uh, for some reason, the relationship soured. Uh, and I asked Tommy about it, and he said, L, he said, Sinatra loves Shecky Green. He said, but you got to realize they were two of the same type of guys. They like to drink a lot, and a lot of the conversations would end with an exclamation point. And he said, that's really what happened. He said, unfortunately, they did have a little falling out, but uh, Tommy said, Sinatra always loved Shecky Green.
1: Well, first of all, I, uh, I you know, most of my conversations, sober or inebriated, End in a question mark rather than an exclamation point. But I love to see that there are still folks that can make it to 97 who, with a history of heavy drinking, uh, let's begin with uh, the name. I-, I realize that shecky Green, uh, his real name was Fred Greenfield. What was shecky Green? Where did he get that very unique name from?
2: Sure. Now, actually, his brother was Fred. His was Sheldon Green. Oh, I stand corrected. Okay. So when he was a young boy, everyone instead of calling him Sheldon, uh, his it was, the nickname was Shelley. And his younger brother couldn't pronounce Shelley, and he said Shecky, and it stuck for the rest of his life.
1: Wow. Okay. Now, um, you talked about a phone conversation that you had with Shecky Green. What was the nature of uh, of your relationship? How long did you guys go back?
2: Well, just friendly. Uh, I had spoken to Shecky uh, because actually I was looking for Pat Cooper. I hadn't spoken to Pat in so long. And I knew Pat was out in Vegas. And originally the first time I spoke to Shecky was probably about 15 years ago because he came out of Chicago. Uh, and um, there was a club that I was selling a lot of acts to called North Shore Center for the Performing Arts. I had sold them Tom Dreesen show and Catskills on Broadway. And the uh, uh, booker, uh, Phyllis Cowan said, Gee- you know, Shecky Green comes from this neighborhood. Can you get Shecky? And I got his phone number from a lady named uh, Kay Ballard, who had opened one of the Pat Cooper shows that I represented in Jersey. She said, Elle, I lived in Palm Springs. I got Shecky's number. So I call him. And I said, about 15 years ago, I said, Sheck, I said, would you consider taking an offer for a job to go back into Chicago? Uh, he said, El, Elle, what are they offering me? I said, well, it's not what they're offering you. What kind of money do you want? How much are you charging? And he says, well, what does Don Rickles get? I said, how do I know what Don Rickles gets? (laughs) Just tell me what you get. And uh, he came up with a price, and I said, "Sheck, when are you going to be available? Thinking maybe uh, in the spring or in the March. He said, I'm available tomorrow morning at 9. I said, no, 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 we can't do it tomorrow morning at 9. And we spoke about it, and uh, it worked out. He didn't take that date, but he was just a naturally funny guy. And then the last time I spoke with him was about three years ago on the phone, and we were discussing really in length uh, his career. And I didn't realize it, but he told me that in 1977, he became the first comedian to make $100,000 a week six weeks a year in Las Vegas at the Riviera and then the MGM grand. And I said, "Shack, I said, they don't hold that many people. A hundred thousand dollars a week in 1977 is like a million a week today. I said, how could you do it? He said, El what happened with him is he was only in a 500 seater at the Riviera but the very wealthy people for some reason gravitated towards him as his as their comedian so that 500 people were ex- extremely wealthy people, and he said the idea for the casino, just bring people with money into this building, we'll find a way to get them in front of a dice table, and maybe take $50,000 a clip from each one of them, <laughs> and he said that was it, and he became a big star in Las Vegas.
1: The um, For people that might be a little too young to remember Shecky Green uh, through anything other than um, video clips... In your view, what was the key to his humor and to his appeal? What made him so magnetic as a performer?
2: Well, you know, I spoke to Jackie Mason and Pat Cooper exactly what you just said, because I said, you know, guys, Shecky isn't really a household name. He's not Rickles on The Tonight Show. He's not Bob Hope, but yes, he draws big crowds in Las Vegas. And both Pat and Jackie said he seemed to freeze up a little bit in front of a TV camera and that like eight minute jacket that you would get when you come on those shows. But they both told me, and you know, it's tough to get this type of compliments from a Pat Cooper and a Jackie Mason. They said, hell, when you put them on stage, For an hour and 15 minutes, there was some type of magic, his relationship with the audience. He seemed to know every gag in the book. He was much more comfortable in front of a live audience, but in front of a camera, he would tighten up and those performances would not ignite.
0: For an appointment, or newbridgehealth dot org.
1: You know, uh, we're talking with Elliot Gordon. If uh, people are just tuning in, Elliot Gordon goes uh, all over the place and uh, performs at uh, or tells stories at uh, senior citizens facilities and elsewhere, and features a lot of clips of a lot of uh, of legends. Uh, Shecky Green still gets a pop when you play clips of him, uh, of Elliot.
2: Well, no. You know something? He really doesn't, uh, Frank. You know, it's not like putting up a clip of Jerry Lewis or, Mm -hmm. uh, or Jackie Mason or Pat Cooper or Don Rickles or Bob Hope. He doesn't have that name recognition, although in the industry... He was the guy I found that most of the comedians are looking up to. And now besides the senior communities that I play on a regular basis, I've started to go into theaters. I was at a theater in Plainview about six weeks ago doing the history of the comedians of the Catskills uh, packed a house with several hundred people buying tickets of all ages. I'll be going back there on February 7th. And now I'm starting to go into legitimate theaters presenting these stories and these clips for the older people, you could say, Hey, it's memory lane. You're a nostalgia show, which in a way I am. But for the younger people, I'm getting people in my audience in their twenties. And they say, hey, we don't know who these guys are. Maybe they know Sinatra or Don Rickles, but we know they are extremely entertaining, and I've kind of become the bridge to a young generation and old show business, and they're buying tickets to my presentations as well.
1: You know, that's so interesting, and and that leads me to the next thing I was going to ask you about. So many great stand-up comics over the years, they developed an incredible level of fandom through starring on a uh, sitcoms. I'm thinking of people like Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Roseanne Barr, uh, Bill Cosby. Uh, others might have hosted um, television talk shows, folks like Jay Leno, for instance. Shecky Green did guest appearances on a lot of different talk shows over the years. It would be an occasional fill-in host on things like uh, the Merv Griffin show, a guest star on maybe Laverne and Shirley and... Other shows, he never really got his own um, self-titled uh, program, sitcom or talk show, the way, say a Bob Newhart did. Two-part question, Elliot. One, why do you think Shecky never got that opportunity? Is it because of some of the, you know, uh, off-stage issues that he's been very open about? And two, is the fact that he was never a household name in prime time? Is that why a lot of younger people don't remember him?
2: Yes, and uh he was offered shows. Dean Martin used to have that extremely successful. Thursday night variety show before he was doing the Dean Martin Roast, 35, 40 million viewers a week, the top show on NBC, and when he would take the summer off, I know it was offered to Shecky Green to take for two months, and he turned it down. He seemed to have, he wasn't comfortable with those shows, uh, and Sheck did have a drinking problem, and along the way he did make some wrong decisions, so he did get opportunities, many many times turned them down here in New York. My buddy, my teacher and mentor, Sid Bernstein did present him at Carnegie Hall. And he said, El, he said, we didn't sell out. Shecky felt Sid didn't promote it as well as he could have, but Sid said it wasn't a name that you could just put on a marquee like a Jackie Mason, like a Don Rickles, and have those tickets fly. It just seemed to be a piece missing, despite the fact that he can go to Vegas and be worth a hundred grand a week wow
1: uh, that is. Wild. And, you know, you and I have um, joked around about that joke that too many people to list have made about Frank Sinatra, where they talk about Frank Sinatra saving their life. It was actually Shecky Green that was the innovator of that joke, right?
2: It's true with Shecky. And I believe that they were drinking a little too heavily one night. And for some reason, Sheck did have a drinking problem. He often spoke about it. I think he might have even hit Sinatra, which is not a good idea. (laughs) And I think that that resulted in a a response to that altercation. Uh, And and again, uh, it was at a time, I believe, when Sinatra had him in a movie called Tony Rome. And in the scene in the movie, you could actually see him with a bandage on his head from that altercation. And they just seemed to mention in the film, well, gee, you had an accident and he did have an accident. It was an unfortunate situation, but according to Tommy Dreesen, something Sinatra never held against him and always loved Shecky Green.
1: And that's uh, obviously the joke was where he says Sinatra saved his life and uh, five of Sinatra's associates were were beating him and then Sinatra says, okay, he's had enough.
2: (laughs) Well, Shecky has another uh, uh, gag that he was saying. That's a true thing. He had the drinking problem. He's driving his car in Las Vegas. For some reason, I guess he might have been drinking. He lost control, and he drove it into the fountain at at the Golden Nugget. The car right into the fountain, and supposedly he said when the police officer ran over to see if he's okay, being drenched with water, he just looked at him and said, "No wax." <laughs>
1: Elliot Gordon, it's always a treat uh, chatting with you. Thank you for uh, strolling down memory lane with us. Let's talk again soon.
2: Thanks Thanks very much, Frank. Loved being up late with you, as always.
1: Thank you, Elliot Gordon. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 800 848 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that
0: you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want
1: to protect the future. Priority Gold is that